good evening to all of you. It's so lovely to see so many faces here tonight. Um, so tonight we are going to be continuing in a series titled What Makes God Smile. Uh, and uh, essentially we are going to be looking at Hebrews 11.7 which is the story of Noah. Uh, just a bit of uh, a warning before we get into the topic. Some of the things that we will be, we'll be looking at are going to be a bit on the sort of heavy side. So it may appear as if there's like more uh, you know, storms and, uh, and darkness rather than sunshine and rainbows in the talk tonight. But as we shall see, the silver lining is all, in all of this is God's patience and his mercy uh, towards all of us. Uh, so before, I hope this works. So before we get into the heavy stuff, here's some uh, memes for your viewing pleasure. Um, I did not make the memes, so if you don't like like them, you know, don't take it from me. Uh, and then there's, uh, anyway, so to the uh, actual uh, verse for tonight, which is, uh, as you can see, Hebrews 11.7, uh, in which uh, states that by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Uh, now, obviously, what we can uh, see there is uh, Noah's righteousness and his faith. Uh, but in order to get a full picture of the story, uh, it would benefit us, I think, to look at uh, some of the background of the conditions of Noah's time and what they were. Uh, as you can see, that uh, this is from Genesis chapter 6 verses 5, 6, and 11, and 12. And we, we are told there that the people of that time had turned very disobedient to God. Uh, you, you can see there that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time, that's what the Bible says. And because of the corruption that was so rampant in, those, in that time, God uh, decided to uh, send judgment upon the people. But he also provided a way of escape uh, to Noah because of his faith and, and um, as you can see in, if you read the whole chapter of Genesis 6, which we are not going to do tonight, uh, we'll see that Noah was the only uh, righteous person alive at that time and because of his faith, he and his family were saved <coughs> from the coming judgment. Uh, but uh, when we look at one of the things that causes people to become disobedient to God in the first place, it's very often in scripture, idolatry. And idolatry uh, might seem like a very ancient concept because it involves idols and you know, uh, things made out of stone or wood. However, even in today's day and time, whenever uh, you or I put anything uh, in our lives on a pedestal, on a and we allot it a priority that's higher than the priority that we give to God in our lives, uh, that can uh, make us slip into idolatry and we, that can turn us away from God and His Word. Uh, and uh, we can see that uh, there are several uh, verse, uh, bits of scripture where God tells us that His creation, that we as His creation, our purpose is to worship Him, it's to put Him above all of the other things in our lives and that can be difficult, especially in times when there are so many other things that constantly vie for our attention. Uh, it can be difficult to prioritize uh, God above everything else. And um, well, as you can see from this slide from the top, I hope that Tim and James won't mind too much, but I've decided to rename the sermon series to what makes God frown. Uh, I'm only joking about that. But uh, I think it would be good for us to consider two questions as we go through those 
uh, three verses up there and to, uh, in our small groups where, wherever we are sitting if we consider what makes God frown and what those particular verses, what they tell us about God's holiness. So if we could take a minute to do that and then maybe a couple of people here might want to share their thoughts with the rest of the church and that would be uh, awesome.
for I, I do apologize for giving you like there's, there's a lot there to discuss I know uh, but uh, I think it would be good if uh, a couple of people anybody who wants to really share would um, you know come forward and share with the with the rest of us some of the things that you've been discussing. Um, Um, I think uh, our group's general idea is that if you think about a spider diagram or chart, disobedience on top and then branch out <laughs> old in the Old Testament, which is the Ten, Com Ten Commandments, and then the New Testament will be Jesus' teaching. And if disobedience of uh, those two branches, that will make, Jesus, uh, make God fall. And I was thinking that anything where we start putting ourselves above God, so like perhaps when we hold people in judgment, um, perhaps where we're proud, um, that sort of thing, where we sort of start stepping up and thinking that we're more important than God. Um, we were looking at the verse in Habakkuk and talking about how with God there's right and wrong, there's black and white. And we were talking about how um, it's very easy to have shades of grey and we were talking about how sometimes you can have a watered down version of what's socially acceptable and what's not and how in the modern world people don't like being told they're wrong. And we were talking about how, you know, that concept of right and wrong is very different to God's understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some uh, very wonderful points. Uh, in fact, we'll be looking at some of those in more uh, detail uh, as we go along. Uh, but yeah, the, the verse in Habakkuk, actually, when I was going through the, the reading for uh, this message, uh, it really stood out to me as well. Uh, because you know it, it tells us of God's nature that he cannot tolerate wrongdoing and that his eyes are too pure to look on evil. And it may seem like that's such a hard and difficult God to please, and it's like that's such a high bar and high standard. But, uh, it, and obviously we'll, we'll see how under Christ, um, because of his grace, uh, we're able to meet that. But uh, it's also true that, you know, we wouldn't want, I think, want it to be any other way because that's one of the distinctive things of Christianity uh, versus some of the other religious traditions which come from mythology is that uh, God is portrayed as being holy and uh, because he doesn't tolerate wrongdoing we know he's going to be good to us because he's not he's not a God who does wrongdoing so if he does anything to us or he uh, causes something in our lives it's not uh, for our, uh, it, it's not to disadvantage us or it's not to, uh, uh, because he loves us and so uh, he's not a God who does wrongdoing, and uh, so his eyes. Obviously, we see, we know that he sees everything he's all seeing. But uh, when he looks in e on evil, he has to judge it. He doesn't just let things slide. Uh, I think is the uh, we'll get from that verse. But and uh, I, we, as you can see, First Peter three twenty is up there again uh, because uh, there is that bit which, uh, on first glance, I actually missed while I was reading that verse which is that God waited patiently. And so we see that God's patience and mercy is, uh, is something that we can rely on and it's something that uh, should give us hope 
because uh, he isn't a god who is uh, just full of anger and just wanting to cast down his wrath upon upon the people all of the time. He is a god of love. He is a god of mercy. And as we can see, it says he's slow to anger. He's abounding in love, and he doesn't even want even the wicked or the people who are disobedient to just perish. He doesn't want ill for them. He wants them to live. He wants them to turn away from their wicked ways to repent and to live. And so we, we see uh, even uh, a few more examples of that where it says that time after time, he restrained his anger, did not stir up his full wrath. And he does not want anyone, Second uh, Peter 3, 9 says, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance and through that to live. Uh, but all of these things will, I'm sure, uh, as they did in my mind, raise a question, which is, uh, hold on, all of this like obligation and, and judgment and all these things, they seem to be antiquated ideas because in the here and now in our world today, we, we focus, tend to focus more on rights just as a society. So we would think, what about my rights and all of this? You know, this seems to be just a bit... Uh, uh, archaic, it just seems unreasonable. Uh, but if we actually think about uh, something, and I, I just want to ask you a question. I know that a lot of people probably would have driven here today, and you probably parked outside. And uh, how would anyone like it if after the service, while you were busy chatting with your friends, if I were to go outside, break into your car and drive off in it? I don't think anybody here would be very pleased about that at all. Uh, and rightfully so, you would be outraged. Uh, I mean, in case anybody doesn't mind that, then just let me know, because that seems like a good way for me to get a free car, but, uh, you know. Uh, but, so, so, and that's just one, like, sort of tongue-in-cheek example, but such examples can be found at all levels of our society. Uh, for example, uh, we can see, uh, you know, uh, we have taxes, we have uh, obligations that we owe to the government, which we are supposed to meet. If we fail to meet them, we are penalized for that. Uh, and uh, that's basically because I could, I could claim uh, to the government, I could claim that uh, I don't, I believe that taxes and you know, governments are just like a social construct. I could claim that I don't believe in the existence of King Charles III. However, HMRC would still penalize me and they would still prosecute me to the fullest extent of the law if I didn't meet my obligations. And the same thing holds true for mortgages, which is, you know, when we, if we uh, fail to make payments, obviously that leads to foreclosure of our homes. Uh, and obviously the third picture is the after the service. But uh, um, essentially the question that, uh, you know, uh, I would like us to think is we, we, are, we know from the scripture that our, uh, that our purpose is to worship our creator and our uh, the creator of the universe who gives us our every living breath you know who is all powerful all knowing and uh, so much uh, greater than us how can we expect to get away with being disobedient to him is that realistic because we can't even get away with you know uh, with like with the examples that we just gave of like theft or robbery or like tax fraud, any of that. So there's always obligations and there's always duties even in our world today. And perhaps if it's not so, it's such an alien concept to us uh, at all. Uh, and we can see on the other side of that, uh, we're looking at disobedience, but true faith leads to obedience. 
Uh, and uh, you can see that even Jesus in the Gospels tells us in John 14 that anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And, and, and the, the reason that he gives for obeying his teaching is, is love. Because it's not out of a fear of a vengeful God because we know that God loves us, that Christ died for our sins. He took the punishment that was due on us, on himself. And that should fill our hearts with love for him. And when we love him, when we claim to love him, the, a true test of that claim is if whether or not we are obedient. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German pastor and theologian, uh, uh, he, he knew a thing or two about being obedient, uh, about a courageous and obedient faith. Uh, he says, faith without works is not faith at all, but a simple lack of obedience to God. And, and as I pointed out, he knows a thing or two about that because as many of you may be aware, he was uh, executed by the Nazi party during World War II Germany uh, for his vocal opposition to Hitler and what the Nazis were doing. So even uh, in, during very difficult times, uh, true faith remains obedient to God. Uh, and we are told that Noah was a preacher of righteousness from 2 Peter 2.5. Uh, and uh, so, but we know from the, from the end of the story that only Noah and his family ended up entering the ark and, and were saved. So essentially when Noah was warning the people of his time, they would have all rejected him, they would have mocked him, they would have derided him, he would have been excluded from his social circles. If he were alive today, his friends would have told him, Noah, you're, you're too uptight, you need to chill a bit. You know, you just, uh, he, he probably would have had his Twitter account suspended, uh, you know, he probably would have been banned on Facebook for, for uh, disinformation and people would have been like, you know, why can't you just get along, why, why do you have to like uh, talk of doom and gloom all the time, right? And yet we see that he was faithful, he was steadfast and that raises a question for us because in the modern world that we live in, it often seems that uh, the, so the society today just generally is very, very tolerant of everything except the gospel. So if you were to preach the gospel, that may sometimes, even in the West, uh, bring you uh, adverse consequences. You may uh, lose out on friendships, you may be shunned, you may in fact even have hatred directed towards you. And as, God, uh, as Jesus says in the gospel, uh, it is because you do not belong to the world, it is because you, uh, you belong to him, that is why you may get rejection and hatred in the world. And I think, but he also says, he tells us to take heart because he has overcome the world. Uh, and we also see in the Beatitudes of Jesus says, uh, blessed are you when people are, uh, insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Uh, we are told to rejoice in that. And the reason to rejoice is because even though we may face hardships in this world, we have a reward in heaven if we stand up for Christ because as he says in Matthew 10, 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me, that's the warning part of that passage, will, before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Uh, and so essentially, in, this would... Uh, raise the question as to what our response should be in, in, in such trying times and I think the best response is actually found in the words of Apostle Peter and the other Apostles when they were actually hauled up before the religious authorities of their day and because who the, the religious authorities wanted to shut up this dangerous talk 
of Jesus of Nazareth. And it didn't matter what influence, power, or authority the, 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 the authorities had, and it didn't matter the level of opposition that was leveled against them. A lot of those apostles, uh, in fact, went to their deaths without, uh, without announcing the gospel, because they knew of its power. And as Peter said uh, over there, we must obey God rather than human beings. He had his priorities uh, aligned properly. Uh, and um, we can see uh, again that Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny him themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And um, as the scripture says, it really doesn't profit you anything because every, every good thing that you get in this life is just momentary because uh, everything rusts and decays, whereas the reward of heaven <coughs> is eternal and forever. And I think that is definitely more important than anything in this life. Um, and in, in scripture we are also told by Christ himself to await the unexpected, which is uh, obviously we, we know, uh, we won't go into it in too much detail, but we know that he's going to return. And in the days that when he, before he returns, uh, we are told that the condition of the world would be similar to the condition of Noah's time. People would not be paying attention to the salvation gospel message, they would be carried up and caught up in their own lives. And we are told that this is how it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. And uh, so essentially it, does, it places a sort of duty upon us, does it not, not just to uh, remain watchful and to remain ready, but also to uh, share this gospel, share this reason of hope that we have with other people in our lives, especially the ones we love. Uh, and in 1 Peter 3.16, obviously it goes on to say exactly that, that we are to be always prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for a reason for the hope that we have. So if we have this wonderful, blessed hope which transcends this life, uh, but we shouldn't just hide that. I, I believe that, uh, and I, I think the scripture tells us to, to share that and to be prepared to share it at all times. Uh, and the second part, obviously, is something that even I've struggled with and maybe some of you might have struggled with as well, which is to do, with, do it with gentleness and respect. Now, sometimes just taking the uh, sort of uh, haughty, like the sarcastic, uh, snarky approach might win the day in, uh, you know, in, in social media chats or a group chats or a comment section, uh, but it is not of much use in winning souls for Christ. So doing it with gentleness and respect, I think, is very, very important. Uh, and we'll be glad to know we've come to the last bit of the sermon, uh, which is, uh, we, we've seen three things tonight, which is that true faith produces obedience. Uh, we know this from the scripture, we know this from the examples of the martyrs who for thousands of years given their lives for Christ, they've been obedient even to the point of death. And obedience requires courage. Now, you may not be martyred for your, uh, martyred for your faith, but you still, uh, sometimes it can be difficult to stand up for Christ and to stand up uh, for, for, for the gospel and to uh, follow these values in a world that seems to be so far away from them. However, uh, when we have that true faith, which again is also a gift of God, it's not something that we earn for ourselves, uh, that faith makes us courageous. And uh, finally, it's that courageous faith that uh, <coughs> makes God smile. God bless you.